Where did you get that armor? This armor has been in my family for three generations. You do not cover your face. You are not Mandalorian. He's one of them. Dink Ferrick. One of what? I am Bo-Katan of Clan Kreese. I was born on Mandalore and fought in the Perch. I am the last of my line. And you are a child of the Watch. The Watch? Children of the Watch are a cult of religious zealots that broke away from Mandalorian society. Their goal was to reestablish the ancient way. There is only one way. The way of the Mandalore. Wowie, wowie, wow, wow. Greetings, Bucketheads. Mayvar Tegar. Welcome to another action-packed episode of MandoVision. Nargai Tom. And thank you so much for checking out this small, independent Star Wars podcast. Today, we are here to discuss Season 2, Episode 3 of The Mandalorian. This is Chapter 11, titled The Heiress. Written by John Favreau and directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Back again in season two. Remember, this is the, the, excuse me, remember the best way to reach out to this podcast is via social media. We are at Mando underscore vision on Twitter and Instagram. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share the show with all the other Mandalorians in your clan. If possible or so inclined, please give us those sweet, sweet, sweet five-star reviews. They help small independent podcasts like us stand out and not get lost in the shuffle. They also uh, taste as good as a Kwakian monkey lizard on a spit. Delicious. Please head over to our parent website, 3bzine.com, where you can find a link to our store envy uh, page, where you can buy all the sweet, sweet merch from all three shows on the 3bzine network. Sorry, best car is still out of stock. Now it's time to strap on your buckets. Let's go. All right. Like I said, we're here to talk about the latest episode. And and as if I didn't give you enough information, as if I didn't already potentially ruin this episode if you haven't watched it yet, spoilers. You're in the spoiler zone on this podcast. We have to talk about the the, the, the amazing information that, that came out in this episode. This was an episode packed with wonderful Star Wars slash Mandalorian mythology in it. Uh, and it was an episode, I thought, I'll, I'll say it right off the bat, I thought they did a wonderful job of, of kind of conveying a lot of information uh, in, 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 a, in a neat, tidy, small little package so that uh, uh, if you weren't familiar with the, with the backstory of, of what was alluded to by Bo-Katan, uh, you weren't overwhelmed by it. But I'm here to overwhelm you. I'm going to give you all the info. You want some backstory? We got nothing but backstory to talk about. Woo! So much to get into. And I, I you know, not to, not to uh, un, un, you know, undersell it but Bo-Katan live in person on the show well <laughs> on the show we saw the live action Bo-Katan for the first time uh Katie Sackhoff crushing it like she does best uh it, it just a wonderful wonderful episode I got up at three in the morning to watch this episode and I have been doing nothing but thinking about it all day long I couldn't wait to get home uh to watch it again and to to prep this podcast because oh Boy, oh boy, oh boy. I mean, this is an episode. This is why I want to do this podcast so, so very much. Because these are the things I want to talk about. This is the nitty gritty. Trask is a black market port. They're staging weapons that have been bought and sold with the plunders of our planet. We're seizing those weapons and using them to retake our homeworld. Once we've done that, we'll seat any Mandalore on the throne. That planet is cursed. Anyone who goes there dies. Once the Empire knew they couldn't control it, they made sure no one else could either. Don't believe everything you hear. Our enemies want to separate us. But Mandalorians are stronger together. That's not part of my plan. I've been quested with returning this child to the Jedi. What do you know of the Jedi? Nothing. Alright, so as we said, the Heiress, Chapter 11. 
and and sort of like what we speculated last week, the 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 way the the acts are structured in in this eight episode season, uh, the third episode, the third chapter of the season is a pretty big deal. It was in the first season, and I I was uh, I I like to think I was pretty accurate this time around too. This is a big episode uh, for the for the again for the mythology that that's being reintroduced or introduced to us for the first time, or for some of us be, be, we're reacquainting ourselves and and. and kind of getting new stuff out of it. I mean, there's so much to get into, so much to process here. Again, I have to mention, maybe you're sick of me saying this. If you want to get that 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 real full appreciation for the for the Star Wars and the Mandalorian mythology that that we're getting into now with this episode, you have to go back and you have to watch The Clone Wars. You have to go back and you have to watch Rebels. Uh, they're all on Disney Plus. They are easy to access. You can just mow your way through them. Thirty, you know, they're like twenty-two minutes, twenty-three minute episodes. You can get through these in no time, no time flat, and you will have all the information. But if you don't want to do that, I'm gonna try and and compress down as much of it as I can while we talk about this episode of of Mandalorian because wow, wow, wowie, wow, 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 this one's great. As I mentioned. It's uh, this episode written by John Favreau. John Favreau's written all three episodes so far. That's a good. That's a good sign, right? That's great news. Episode directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard stepping up to to take on the. I guess I don't know. Fill fill the void is the correct word. You know, Deborah Chow directed the third episode of last season, which was the the Mandalorian covert exposing themselves to save Din Djarin and Baby Yoda from the bounty hunters on Navarro. This episode maybe not quite as big of a set piece as that. But Bryce Dallas Howard, I think she crushes this episode. She directed uh, the fourth episode in season one, and I thought she did a nice job on that. Uh, but she uh, elevated her 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 direction, elevated the action in this one, and I, I think this is a really standout episode for her. Really, 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 really well done. Oh, I can't say it enough. I also got to mention, you know, one of the things we don't talk about enough on 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 Mandovision is. The music score, the the Ludwig Gordonson score that he does, uh, it's it's so good all the time. In this episode, I think it's almost a masterpiece. The 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 music selection, the way he scores the action sequences, particularly with the other Mandalorians around, I thought it was really well done. It really hits like that actiony vibe, kind of gets the gets the heart racing, gets the gets the blood flowing through you. You want to go punch some stormtroopers in the face after you hear that music. Ooh, ooh, it got me going. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm jumping around my living room like a freaking crazy person because I wanted to punch stormtroopers right in their mush, right in their stupid mushes, get them right in the face. All right, as we speculated last week, this episode does pick up basically where we left off. The, the Razor Crest limping through space on its way to, to Trask to drop off and reunite Frog Lady with Frogman uh, to, to kind of complete the, the transfer of the passenger. Uh, so she can uh, get her eggs fertilized by her loving man, and they can start their family. And our Mando can find more Mandos to point him to the Jedi. So the Razor Crest uh, is coming in for a rough landing on on Trask, and I, I did really enjoy this opening scene uh, with the Razor Crest. Din has to has to manually pilot it through the atmosphere. We see the atmosphere burning across the belly of the Razor Crest. They're holding on for dear life. He has to get Frog Lady to help him hold that lever back as they're racing towards the surface of the planet. She has to put the egg canister down, and you see Baby Yoda take a look at that canister. And, y- and you all know how I felt about uh, Baby Yoda uh, devouring her unborn children. Uh, I wasn't a fan of it. So when he looks at that canister, I was like, oh, no, let's not go there again. Uh, luckily, we don't. We Luckily, we don't. Uh, the Razor Crest comes in for an emergency landing. I love the fact that you had the tower kind of yelling at them. Like, hey, Razor Crest, slow the F down. Slow down. We, you, you're not going to make it. And then you, it comes into a halt. It looks like Din has successfully landed a very beaten up, a very uh, broken Razor Crest on the platform. When all of a sudden, one of the engines flares out. And the momentum of that flips the ship right off the dock. Or right off the landing pad, I should say. And into the water. And that's where you get this interesting little scene. Uh, where the uh, Razor Crest is, is fished out of the water by what looks like a maybe per- a repurposed ADAT, perhaps. Now, could this just be some kind of mobile crane unit? Oh, uh, yeah, it, it definitely could be. But I'm, I'm, I was, I'm curious what you all think of that. Do you think it was like a repurposed ADAT? Like they had some ADAT legs and they're like, well, let's just, just you know, let's use these ADAT legs and do something cool with it. 
Or do you think that's just like some kind of mobile uh, uh, crane? <laughs> I'm just curious. I, I wonder what you all think of that. Uh, but it was really cool. And obviously, I really enjoyed uh, the, the Mon Calamari, who was watching as the Razor Crest was descending, just kind of standing there <laughs> and in sort of a, a, a curious wonderment at what was about to happen right in front of his eyes. So we are on Trask, and this is a very uh, ocean, ocean-based ocean planet. That's a very Star Wars thing. I think we've talked about in the past how uh, George Lucas was always a fan of uh, planets with like a single climate. So like desert planet, ice planet. Now we have a water planet, and that would be Trask, this black market port. And remember, we're outside of the Tatooine system. This seems like a more appropriate place for Frog Lady and Frogman to be together than Tatooine. So uh, th this seems like a better environment for them and for them to raise uh, their, their offspring. So good, th good things there. And we see Frogman and Frog Lady reunite. And uh, it's time for Mando to get on with his business. Frogman points him to the inn. And we get to, uh, we get to go inside the inn and, and look for more Mandalorians. I should also note, since we are on a water planet, of course we're going to get two of the most popular Star Wars water-based species. And that would be the Mon Calamari and the Quarren, who are the ones with the tentacles in their face. We saw them in Season 1. You also see them in Return of the Jedi, but that's good stuff. So more Corrin, more Mon Calamari, and and again, this is not their home planet. They just appear to be working there on the, on this water planet. Uh, they're from their home planet is is Doc, D A C Dac Dac maybe Doc. I don't know. I've only ever read the name. I've never heard anyone say it. Actually, that's probably not true. I think it was in Rebels. <laughs> but yeah, D A C Doc is is the home planet. Of, of the Mon Calamari and the Corrin. They share the, they share the planet together. They sort of vie for, for controlling power of the planet within their species. But, it, you know, there we go. This is a brief history of the Mon Calamari and the Corrin. So we see a lot of them on the planet. We go, we, okay, so now we go into the inn. The Mon Calamari uh, seats Armando and Baby Yoda at table. And uh, it's time, it's chowder time for Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda's gonna get some fresh chowder. And, uh, yeah, he's a little bit of a chowder head. So this is when the Mandalorian offers up some of that sweet Mon Calamari uh, puck money that he got from in, from Grief Karga back in back in episode one of season one. I guess it was technically episode three when he got the no 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 it was episode one when he got that sweet we saw that sweet Mon Cal jelly bunny that they spend. Uh, he offers some of that up for some information. The Mon Calamari innkeeper points him to a Quarren ship captain who offers to ferry him to the Mandalorians that he has seen in the past. Uh, it's interesting. It's a little hard to hear, uh, but the second time around, I watched the subtitles. I watched the, the, the playback with the subtitles on too. So I was listening to the audio and reading the captions. Uh, and you hear, you you're, you're th the camera's sort of focused on Mando and Baby Yoda, as Baby Yoda's having a, a bit of a struggle with his chowder, which is very much alive, and, and latches onto his face. And I kind of wonder... Uh, if that was some some sort of payback, maybe for for eating Frog Lady's eggs, some kind of a Star Wars karma, Star Wars karmic justice, perhaps. And Mando uh, playfully tells him not to play with his food, and, and kind of prods the uh, the squid-like creature back into the chowder. That's some fresh chowder, man. When your when your food's attacking you, that's fresh chowder. That's when you know it's good. Uh, but those back to those subtitles. Excuse me. You're, you know, you, 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 when I was reading those subtitles, the innkeeper clearly is telling the Corrin that that Mando is looking for more Mandos, and he clearly says Beskar. Beskar is spoken. So, we all, we've seen the episode. We know what happens next. They're out on the boat. We've seen the boat from the trailer. Mandalorian Baby Yoda on a ship at sea. And what's about to happen? Bad things are about to happen. I'm curious. Was the innkeeper involved? Should Din Djarin have gone back? to wreck that in <laughs> and wouldn't ask, demand what his cut was going to be of the Mandalorian's hide because, uh, hey, everyone wants that shiny, shiny Beskar. What are you going to do? But let's go to the ship. Oh, I, you know what? I, I did mention, I forgot to mention, I neglected to mention that uh, when they first arrived on the planet, you know, Din and is witnessing Frog Lady and Frogman's reunion, he's being watched from the shadows. We see we see a, a female figure hooded, and that would be none other than D WWE's Sasha Banks, who in this episode is actually uh, going by her, her her given name, which is a uh, Mercedes Vernado. You may have seen that in the credits, but that's her lurking in the shadows there. 
And then she disappears as Amanda turns to look. So he just kind of sees like a flash of an image of her. Thinks nothing of it. All right, so now we're back on the boat. And the Quarren, the Quarren, they look like they're like fishermen sort of, but they're kind of ferrying uh, uh, Mando and Baby Yoda to this destination where the Mandalorians are, but they seem to be some kind of fisherman people. It's it's kind of unclear what their actual job is or if they are just like a boat service. But for some reason, they have something called a Mama Corps in their boat. I don't know what that is. It's a giant sea creature that they seem to keep in their vessel. I don't know why. Except that maybe it's there to eat people as they rob them. They, perhaps they are just legitimate pirates. And that's where they throw the bodies after they uh, steal their possessions and, and take all their, their worldly goods. And they dispose of it with this mama core. Perhaps that's the purpose. If these are, if these are um, working class fishermen, I don't know if I understand the point of having that thing in the, in the hold of your ship. But what do I know? It works out pretty well for them as they are attempting to kill Din Djarin. And they do, they, they lure him into this pit by whacking Baby Yoda's floating carriage into the into the water where this, this giant sea creature is, is bubbling up front to the surface to engulf Baby Yoda in his little capsule hole. So Din does what Din does. He springs into action, leaps into the water, and that's when the Quarren close the grates over him. And, and they're, they're poking and prodding at him. He's barely able to get enough air. Looks like it looks like Armando is in serious, serious trouble. Uh, again, this this is a little bit of an interesting revelation. It's not so much of a revelation, but the Beskar, the the armor, not equipped to, to really do well in water. There's no reserve oxygen tanks available to him or anything like that. Like he's stuck in that weight in that weighted armor, and he's in that helmet, and he's gonna drown in that helmet if he can't stay above the surface. Luckily. Three Mandalorians descend from the sky and just shoot the shit out of all those Quarrens. Blast them straight to hell. It's awesome. It's, again, a really great action sequence. I think Bryce Dallas Howard shot the, sh shot the holy heck out of it. Uh, and, and Ludwig's score cues up, too. You get that, that kind of, like, rockin', uh, rockin', rockin' roll, you know, blood-pumping energy music. And it's awesome. It's incredible. So, Bo-Katan arrives. She has in tow with her. Let's see, I have their names written down here. Casca Reeves, who is played by Sasha Banks slash Mercedes Bernardo. And Axe Woves, played by Simon Cassianides. Cassianides, I think is how you say it. Simon Cassianides. Uh, again, they're playing Casca uh, Reeves and Axe Woves. These are members of Clan Crees with Bo Katan Kreese, played by the amazing, the wonderful Katie Sackoff as the leader of Clan Kreese. And so that clip, that clip that we used to open the show is that initial encounter uh, where Din has the reaction that he has as these Mandalorians unmask, uh, take their buckets off, remove the helmet uh, in front of him, which to him has always been a no-no. This is where we get so much information. And I, again, I use it to open up the show with, but maybe you have questions about it. Maybe there's things you don't understand. And again, for, for some of us who even are aware of the mythology that there, that this, this being referenced, uh, there was still a, a, a bit of a revelation in this for, for us as well. Lots of new information here. So I'm going to try my best to, to kind of give you, give you all a nice uh, condensed uh, Star Wars Mandalorian history. Now, this is all from the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. These are both animated series, again, available on Disney Plus for your viewing pleasure. If you want to go back and do that deep dive and kind of get that full uh, embracing of the Star Wars mythology. Uh, so we have to go back to Clone Wars and in season two, where we are introduced to Mandalore for the first time, the planet Mandalore and its new, its new pacifist government, uh, which is headed by the Duchess Satine Kreese. All right, so yeah, we know that name already. We were hearing Kreese. Got Bo-Katan Kreese in this. Yes, they are related. They are sisters. Now, let's talk about the Duchess for a moment. She has She's the leader of this new pacifist government that wants to put Mandalore's uh, warrior ways behind them and, and move ahead in, in, a, in a more pacifist-like environment era, a new pacifist era for Mandalore, uh, where it can be a, a, a place of peace and, and a, a beacon 
in the new in the old republic before the fall of the republic. All right. Bo-Katan disagrees with this. Bo-Katan is not a fan of this. But before I get there, I do have to illuminate a little bit further on on Duchess Satine. Duchess Satine has a history with one of our favorite Jedi's, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Why is that interesting? Uh, because much like his Padawan Anakin, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi seems to have had a relationship with the Duchess Satine, a a very a potentially romantic one, and one where uh, there are strong emotions for one another. Unlike his Padawan, Obi-Wan followed the ways of the Jedi and, and uh, forsook, for, had, forsaken, has, had forsaken their relationship in order to stay with the Jedi, stay true to the Jedi ways. And, and so he sacrificed that relationship to be, with, to be a Jedi, essentially, which is the opposite of his young Padawan. So one of the reasons why I really embrace this, the Star Wars, the Clone Wars animated series is because you get such a wonderful nuance like that. Uh, these, these wonderful insights into the, into the characters that we weren't able to get in, in the films. And uh, that, you know, that it, it's, it's a big ask to, to really be able to explore the friendship between Obi-Wan and Anakin and the parallels in their journeys. You know, and, you know Obi-Wan, you know, he had plenty of trials and tribulations on his path to becoming a Jedi Knight, and this uh, this this romantic relationship that he had with Duchess Satine was a big part of it in, in in shaping who he was as a Jedi Knight, and the the wonderful parallel with with Anakin and Anakin making the opposite choice to kind of go against the Jedi Code and and to have this secret relationship with Padme, it, it's it's really fascinating stuff, and another reason why I urge everyone to watch that Star Wars clone the, the Clone Wars cartoon. Because you get that that nuance of characters, you see so many parallels and and so many uh, unique aspects of the Anakin Obi Wan relationship that you don't get to see in in the films, uh, because there's just too much to get to in those those prequel movies. I mean, it, it, it's there's a lot going on in there, and and so uh, I, you know nuance was sacrificed for for the sake of, of getting to A to B to C, but the Clone Wars cartoon, Clone Wars the animated series has that nuance. I'd recommend it highly. So, Duchess Satine has a relationship with the Jedi. She is the leader of a pacifist Mandalorian government. Her sister, Bo-Katan Kryze, is against this. She allies with Pre-Vizsla. We have talked about Clan Vizsla on previous episodes of the show. We re- Remember, we saw their insignia on the shoulder pauldron uh, when, when Din is having the flashback to, his, to being a child when his family was killed by the super battle droids. Uh, possibly during the Clone Wars. At least it seems very likely to be have, have been during the Clone Wars. He's rescued by Clan Vizsla. Clan Vizsla and Bo-Katan Kryze, big-time members of Death Watch, which is the splinter faction that Bo-Katan references in the beginning of the show. She was part of the Death Watch. She was part of that splinter organization that wanted to go back to the old ways. Now, during the time of... Star Wars Rebels. Again, if you haven't gotten to this episode yet, if you're not caught up on Star Wars Rebels, skip what I'm about to say. I don't want to ruin anything for you. Bo-Katan, still part of Death Watch. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, excuse me, I take it back. This is not in Star Wars Rebels. This is in, in Clone Wars still. A new Mandalorian Civil War is on the horizon. Uh, Death Watch is teamed up with Darth Maul. Darth Maul's not dead in Star Wars The Clone Wars. Spoilers if you didn't figure that one out. But if you saw Han Solo's movie... You should know that. Darth Maul leads Death Watch in an attack against the pacifist government to take control of Mandalore, the planet. And they succeed. And, Mandal- and Darth Maul put- makes himself the-, the Mandalore, the leader of the people. And Pre is not going to have that. A Mandalorian should be on the throne of Mandalore, not this, uh, this fake Sith Lord. So they have a battle. Vizsla is killed. With the Darksaber, no less. This leads to a Mandalorian Civil War where you have Darth Maul's super commando Mandalorian warriors on his side versus the new resistance led by Bo-Katan Kryze. Now there's a whole thing with Maul and Obi-Wan and Duchess Satine and Bo-Katan Kryze and and her resistance. And I won't get into a lot of the... Uh, I don't. I don't want to. If you're gonna. If you're watching the show, I don't want to get into too many super spoilers. Um, 
but this is this is basically how Bo-Katan comes back into the fold, into being a good guy. She's very much a villain. Death Watch is very much a bad group. They are actively sabotaging uh, the new government of of the of, of Mandalore, and they are not doing it in a good way. People are being killed. Innocent people are being caught in the crossfire as they try to destabilize this pacifist government in order to uh, bring back the old ways, like they talked about on the show in that line of dialogue. So I'm I'm very curious if this is something that Bo will talk about with Din Djarin, because you have to assume they're going to cross paths again. They they very much set that up in this episode. Uh, and again, I don't want to I don't want to reveal too much about about Bo Katan's journey uh, from the Death Watch to, to what she alludes to. She at one point she was a a holder of the dark She was uniting the people. They talk about it in this episode too how the Mandalorians are stronger together. So she seems to be trying to bridge the gap between Death Watch and the and the this new Mandalorian uh, resistance that she's part of, this new, Mandalorian, this new Mandalorian way that she's trying to bring about. Uh, again, we, we, we get into the... the, the, the uh, I think she calls them zealots, religious zealots of the, of the Mandalorians. And so I'm, I'm wondering how much she's going to talk about that in, in, uh, in co- upcoming episodes, because I assume there's going to be more. You don't get Katie Sackhoff just to show up once. You get Katie Sackhoff to show up all the time. All right, maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part, but yeah, there's still a lot to kind of got kind of, some taffy to pull there, like onions to slice and and to look into the layers because, you know, is is the Death Watch still around? Is it even more uh, fanatical than it was when she was a member of it? It it sort of seems to be that way, especially with like the helmets always on. The only way is the way of the Mandalore. The, the the weapons are my religion. Uh, all the stuff that Din has kind of said leads me to believe that this is, is a more intense version of the Death Watch that we saw in Clone Wars and that we saw in Rebels. I don't... I, that's that's just a guess on my part. I'm trying to make an educated guess here. I was actually a little surprised that uh, to, to see that Din is raised by the Death Watch, that he's a child of the Watch. I thought that was uh, fascinating, very interesting stuff. It makes a ton of sense. I didn't see them going in that direction initially because uh, uh, Din is so noble and so honorable, and that's not what we've seen from Death Watch characters in, in, in Clone Wars and Rebels. They're a little bit more uh, anything to, to, to win, kind of, you know, cost be damned sort of mentality with a lot of previous Death Watch members. Has that changed? I don't know. We don't know yet. We don't know much about the status of, of the coverts. We don't know... Is is this another? Are these coverts run by more members of Plan Vizsla? Again, we don't know yet. That that really hasn't been introduced in the Mandalorian just yet. But again, a lot to get to. There's a lot of a lot of layers and a lot of things to pull apart here. But again, I I just want to emphasize seeing Bo-Katan Kryze in real life, played by Katie Sackhoff, just was. Uh, uh, just phenomenal, just so wonderful. Again, a character I've been watching on the on these cartoons for almost ten years now. And for anyone wondering, yes, Katie Sackhoff was the voice of Bo-Katan on the animated series as well. So to see her come to life, it almost makes you wonder: like, was this part of the plan even back then? I I, I have to wonder. I have to wonder if that was a, a kind of something they had in the back of their minds. Now, it doesn't seem likely. I think it maybe was just a wonderful, happy accident. But you also have to remember, too, and again, I think this is something that, that a lot of people have forgotten. You know, 15-ish, 10-ish, 15 years ago, George Lucas, before he sold Lucasfilm to Disney, he was planning on creating a live-action Star Wars series. Uh, they had script writers. They had the whole shebang. They were trying to figure out the technology. They were trying to figure out how to make this show work. And ultimately, they decided they couldn't do it because the, the technology wasn't where they needed it to be, which is often George Lucas's is problem. It was, he's five to ten years ahead of technology and what he wants it to be able to do and versus what it actually can do at the time he wants to do it. So the show was going to be insanely expensive, on a, especially on an episode-by-episode basis. So they were they, they, it basically was uh, scrapped, but not necessarily. It, it's, it sort of morphed into what became Star Wars Rebels. 
Star Wars Rebels was sort of kind of basically what we were going to get from the original idea of a Star Wars live action series. Now that we have a Star Wars live action series, it, it's such wonderful uh, symmetry that the live action series is connecting back to the old animated series and in particular to Rebels, which is where you're, you're going to see a lot of dovetailing once we get further into the mythology, further into the lore. Uh, again, a lot of stuff I'm giving you today is from from Clone Wars, which is is easy is easy enough, easy enough to, to get into. Well, and it, I suspect we're going to talk more about Rebel stuff once we get further into Dark Saber territory. But for now, I think that's a pretty good compact uh, encapsulating of the events of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Again, watch those episodes if you if you dare. Tons of great Mandalorian stuff in there with with Mandalore, the Death Watch, Bo-Katan Kryze, Pre Vizsla, the Duchess Satine, a relationship with Obi Wan Kenobi, and just some wonderful stuff with Darth Maul, who became a uh, much such a fun, rich villain for the Star Wars galaxy once he was uh, sort of resuscitated on that on that series. Uh, you know, you thought, and I think a lot of people still think he dies in Phantom Menace, but he goes on to torment and terrorize Obi-Wan Kenobi for a long time uh, on Star Wars The Clone Wars, and it's a lot of fun, and it's definitely worth everyone revisiting. So let's get back into our show, because uh, Din takes off after seeing that these are not the kind of Mandalorians he's used to being around. These are not the ones who follow the armor. They don't, they don't, they don't seem to follow his way of being a Mandalore, and, or uh, follow his way of being a Mandalorian, so, it's interesting. Uh, Din doesn't... He, he seems to, to... He doesn't seem to have had an understanding that there are more than one kind of Mandalorians. He's been raised in these coverts. He knows the, the way that he's been taught, and that's it. He knows nothing about a Mandalorian civil war. He knows nothing about uh, any other type of, of Mandalorians. And what he's been told about the planet of Mandalore... Uh, seems to be sort of the opposite of, of what Bo-Katan is telling him. He believes to be a cursed planet that no one can go to. And people who go there die. So a lot, a lot of interesting stuff. Like, you know, what kind of lies has, has, has Din been fed by by the Death Watch? Uh, again, we don't know. Well, I, I suspect these are, these are the sort of onion layers that are going to be pulled back throughout the rest of the season whenever we get to encounter Bo-Katan next. And possibly when we get to meet up with Ahsoka which, again, we're going to talk about that pretty soon, too. But, whew, I don't know. No but on that one. <laughs> that was a accidental but. I didn't mean to say but there. So it, it's, going to be, it's going to be a very interesting situation. As, as you know, this child has, is, is beginning to expose Din to so much of the galaxy that he was unaware of before. You know, first it was the revelation about Force wielders and Jedis. And now it's about uh, other versions of Mandalorians. And I, I, again, it was wonderful to see it shown this way. The, the clues were all kind of there in the first season that, that this is an isolated sort of faction of Mandalorians uh, because of the helmets. And it was kind of contradicting all the stuff we knew about Mandalorians in the Clone Wars and in Rebels. So it makes a lot of sense. It kind of ties it together in a way that I was like, oh, yeah, that, that, that totally makes sense. But there was so much history missing that I, I was I was very far from assuming that he was part of Death Watch, even though I think the clues were there. You look back, and again, you see that that, that Vizsla, the Clan Vizsla uh, insignia on the shoulder pauldron. Things like that. Makes sense now, doesn't it? And maybe people were on to that ahead of me. I'm, I'm not going to I'm not gonna sit here and, and say that uh, um, people's minds were probably blown by that revelation today. I mean, they possibly were. I thought it was a neat little thing and I like the way it all kind of dovetailed together and wrapped itself up real nicely but there's a lot of mysteries within that bow still so when we pull that bow apart at some point how many more answers are we get are we or or there will there be bows within bows <laughs> is that a thing can you have a bow within a bow I'm not sure anyways so our our new Mandalorian friends Bo-Katan and Axe Woves and uh Koska Reeves are hanging out they're chatting and uh and uh, Bo-Katan's dropping some information on, on the plight of the Mandalorians and, and how they're going to rob the Empire. To, you know, this planet's profiting off the plunder of their planet, and now it's time to take it back so they can retake Mandalore and, and seat a new government and put a new Mandalore on the throne. And 
They were going to rob these Imperials, steal the weapons for that cause. And they want the Mando's help with that. Our Mando's help with that. They want Din Djarin's help. And uh, he agrees to it because... Because... Uh, because Katie... Because Bo-Katan has information on the Jedi that he needs. So that he can deliver the kid and, and complete his quest. At least that's what he thinks is going to happen. I suspect there's going to be a lot more than that happening. He's not getting rid of that kid that easy. It's going to go on for a bit, I suspect. <laughs> hey, spoilers. If you don't think he's going to get rid of that kid. <laughs> Anyways, so again, this leads to a wonderful the the main action sequence of this this episode is is the robbery the them are using their jetpacks, see in it taking taking control attacking being pirates basically on this imperial freighter packed with weapons that they can use to dr to drive the empire away from from Mandalore, the planet Mandalore. I gotta get used to saying Mandalore as a planet and not as a people. But I'll make sure I specify. Don't worry. We will keep it straight. So this leads to another wonderful uh, a bit of a, a... I don't know. You want to say stunt casting? I don't want to say stunt casting. But Titus Welliver, the wonderful Titus Welliver, has been cast as, as the Imperial captain of this freighter. And boy, does he cut an imposing figure in that Imperial captain's uniform, doesn't he? I mean, he looks great. And if you, if you don't know Titus Welliver, I mean, come on. He's been in everything. He's the man in black in, in Lost... He's he's Bosch on Amazon Prime. Titus has been in a million things. He's a great actor. I love seeing him as an Imperial in this, and and sort of watching as, as he's reacting as the Mandalorians make their way through the freighter towards the bridge as they're disposing stormtroopers. Which, boy oh boy, those fights against the stormtroopers were phenomenal. And that these stormtroopers, their armor is top notch, shiny shine. They look good. These are not the beaten down, uh, a kind of a scuffed up. Stormtrooper armors that we've seen in some of the other episodes, like on Navarro and and, and some of the other locales that we've we've encountered the stormtroopers so far, they are shined to a pristine level. It's they look good, but these Mandalorians like to shoot them in the mush, just right in the face, right in the chest plate. But boom, 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 boom. Great action sequences, really well done directing them. Again, Bryce Dallas Howard directs the holy crap out of this episode. The, the action sequences are great. The siege on this ship is fantastic. And our boy, our boy Din Djarin steps up. He steps up. He helps these Mandalorians, even though he has some uh, some difficulties with them. You know, it, it's it's not... It seems like they sort of mock him a little bit. You know, the whole this is the way, being a child of, the, of Death Watch. Um, but they have mutual goals in a lot of senses. It, 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 there is a sense that, that Bo-Katan is trying to woo him over to her side. You know, she does. She again, she says it. The Mandalorians are stronger together, and I think that's going to be a big, big thing. And and I wonder if at a certain point in the show, we're gonna, you know, Din's gonna to have to be the the character that helps kind of mend fences between Death Watch Mandalorians and and Bo Katan's Mandalorians, who are a little bit more, uh, you know, taking off of the helmets. They're a little bit more business casual. They can take off that helmet. They can go snacking at the restaurant, slurping up some uh, some calamari squid tails or whatever the hell they were eating. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. That's that's for down the road, though. But if you think this is the only time we're seeing Bo-Katan on this series, you are sorely mistaken. So, get comfortable with that character. Get to know Katie Sackhoff. She's wonderful. And if you don't think she looks like her animated series version of, of Bo-Katan, get out of here. Nails it. So good. It's wonderful. So, they team up. They're stealing the weapons from the Empire. Again, Titus Willover is the Imperial Captain. Uh... We should mention this part too. Baby Yoda gets dropped off. He's gonna stay with Frog Lady and Frog Man while our Mando, our Mandalorians siege besiege that uh, that that frigate for its weapons. Uh, so I'm curious how this how this played out for all of y'all watching. Again, I, I I had some problems with with Baby Yoda chowing down on Frog Lady's eggs last episode. That was kind of kind of narnar. All right, I wasn't I wasn't real crazy about that. But, and I'll be honest, I got a little nervous when he drops, when Mando drops Baby Yoda off with Frog Couple. Because the eggs are there on the table and he's, he's got his little mitts on that glass jar. And you, you, if you're like me, you're like, oh man, he's going to dive into that thing and just start sucking down the eggs right in front of him. It's going to be monstrous. Uh, but instead what happens is after Mando leaves and he sort of uh, warns Baby Yoda not to get in any more trouble with those eggs. 
in a very uh, subtle way. Uh, Vibio's little mitts on that glass, and, and one of the eggs hatches, and a little life form comes out of it. And I would like to believe that this is, this is, uh, this is Baby Yoda uh, beginning to comprehend that those eggs weren't food, that those eggs were a life form. And, you know, we, we know that Baby Yoda is, is Force-sensitive and perhaps has a rudimentary understanding that life fuels the Force. And just casually eating other people's babies, <laughs> even unfertilized, I mean, let's be honest, it's not nice. It's not a nice thing. This lady's hoping to have a lot of offspring. She's at the end of her line, and Baby Yoda eat, ate at least three of her eggs. She does that's potentially three children. But perhaps this is a bit, a bit of dawn, a dawning, a dawn of understanding for Baby Yoda as he realizes that not everything is food, not everything is for me to consume. That there is life in this galaxy that must come to come to bear, so that the force will go on. Who knows? I, you know, I, maybe I'm reading a lot into it. <laughs> but when you see Baby Yoda later in the episode when Mando comes to pick him up and he, he seems to be playing with the little, I, I'm gonna say tadpole. I don't think that's correct, but uh, and until someone at Lucasfilm issues me a uh, a title for for what the the beam should be called, I'm gonna say a little tadpole. Uh, he seems to enjoy playing with the little tadpole and and playing with this this new life form. It seems to have captured his attention. He doesn't seem to be trying to eat it. We don't see Frogman and Frog Lady holding him back at bay from trying to trying to suck up their child. Let's hope that Baby Yoda's maybe learned a valuable lesson about life in the galaxy. Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to the frigate, though. The Mandalorians are, are sieging... Sieging the... Sieging? <laughs> they have besieged the ship, and they are about to get to the bridge. Now, there's a great sequence in here where another uh, Imperial officer thinks they have the Mandalorians trapped uh, in, in the cargo control room, except they're in the cargo bay, so the Mandalorians just open the hatch and shoot the Imperials out into the sky, uh, which I thought was pretty great. They just get blown out. Imperial captain and the stormtroopers are all gone. So now we're in the corridor leading up to the bridge, and uh, our heroes are under siege by stormtrooper Imperial stormtroopers laying waste to them, trying to fire them. They're pinned down. Our best guard up, super, super soldier, he charges with his thermal detonators and blows the crap out of those stormtroopers. It's pretty impressive. Really good. Again, the action sequence in here is really, really good. But what we, what we get next is... Well, I, may, I might be a little out of order here. But Titus Welliver's character has contacted Moff Gideon. This is Moff Gideon's ship. These are Moff Gideon's weapons. And this is something we, we had also speculated about in the past. Like, what was Moff Gideon up to? Is he is he reselling Imperial arms? Like, what's going on here? We don't really know the details yet still. But this is, this is Moff Gideon's ship. These are Moff Gideon's troops. That's Moff Gideon's Titus. Uh, and he, he tells him that if the Mandalorians are almost at the bridge, then it's too late. And he knows what he has to do. And they give a, this wonderful long live the Empire signal. And that's when Titus shoots his two pilots in the back. And it's time to take that ship. He's going to crash it and kill those Mandos that are on the ship. And make sure that they don't take those weapons with them. So the ship is plummeting back to the, the surface of Trask. And that's why the Mandos have to get on the bridge as quick as they can. So they can stop the descent, save the ship, save the weapons. And, and Bo has questions for this Imperial captain. And once the Mando sieges the bridge, or take control of the bridge, and they have to, we get the, the great scene where our Mando Din Djarin and, and Koska are getting, attempting to, to pull the ship out of, its, out of its steep dive. And while they're doing that, Bo-Katan is sort of interrogating uh, Titus Welliver's captain character. I, I should have looked to see if, if they gave him a name in this episode. I'm sure they did, but I don't have it handy with me. So we're just going to call him Captain Titus. So Captain Titus is being interrogated by Bo-Katan, and she keeps referring to an object, something that she wants, and does he have it? And again, it's really, really great. Katie Sackhoff kills it in this. Titus kills it in this. But we know what they're talking about. We know she's referring to Moff Gideon, and we know he, she is referring to the Darksaber. And she does say it at one point. The Darksaber. She wants the Darksaber. She had the Darksaber at one point. She says that earlier in the episode, that, that it was something that it was in her possession at one point. You may see that at some point too, if you if you go back and watch those animated series. I'm not going to say you know when, but you might see that. Again, the dark saber came from the animated series. 
it plays a role in these shows. Just so you know. So we know what she's talking about. Hopefully Mando's paying a little bit of attention to it too. Now they never say Mark Gideon by name because that would have been too convenient. Because then Mando could say, oh hey, I just got into a shootout with that guy on Navarro. That might be useful information for you down the road. But they don't have that conversation. That doesn't occur. So our our our, our hero's sort of left in the dark about who Bo-Katan is, is attempting to, I don't know, uh, attack, to lay waste to. Uh, you know who is her primary target in in these these operations besides uh, restoring the planet Mandalore and and restoring a Mandalore to the to the throne. There's more to it than that, but our Mando doesn't doesn't isn't isn't privy to it because he doesn't hear Moff Gideon's name Moff Gideon's name mentioned at all. So they, what happens next? I thought was really cool because. Uh, Titus is not going to talk. Captain Titus is not going to spill the beans. He's not going to give out the information. And then we get to see someone we haven't seen in Star Wars before, which is the Imperial version of the cyanide pill capsule in the tooth. He like kind of like cracks the tooth and like this, this weird charge shoots through his skull, and he is dead. And he's not talking to Bo-Katan, and his secrets go down with him. Moff Gideon's secrets go down with him. So yes, our our, our new Mandalorian friends have have seized, seized those weapons from the Empire, which is great. That's good news because hey, anyone fighting the Empire is a good guy, right? That's good stuff. But they don't have any information. They're no closer to Moff Gideon than they were before they got on the ship. They don't know where the dark saber is. They don't know anything about the dark saber that they didn't know already before. So on that front, on the information front, uh, Bo-Katan doesn't get what she wants, but. They get those weapons, they get that ship, they get that freighter. That's good news. And and our hero helps. So she imparts such sweet, sweet information to Din Djarin as, a, as the part of her deal with Armando. Now, I, I did kind of gloss over it. Actually, I didn't gloss over it. I completely skipped the part where, where uh, Din gets really mad <laughs> at Bo-Katan when she sort of changes the deal on... on, on uh, on Armando, and he didn't like that very much. He didn't like her turning, changing the terms of the deal. But she does uphold her end of the deal still. She does give him the information he needs to find the Jedi. So right now, I'm going to play the clip uh, where, where Bo-Katan alters the deal, and Mando has a bit of a problem with it. But this is where we get our great, great Darksaber reference. This is more than I signed up for. There is something I need if I am to rule Mandalore, something that was once mine. They know where it is, and soon so will I. Regardless, we are taking the ship for the battles ahead. I got you your weapons. I have to return to my ship with the Foundling. If you want my help finding the Jedi, you will help me take this ship. You're changing the terms of the deal. This is the way. So there it is, tense scene between our, our two mighty Mandalorians in this episode, Bo-Katan, Kryze, and Din Djarin, uh, exchanging verbal barbs with each other. And, and see what I kind of mean there about how uh, it sort of seems like Bo taunts him a little bit with the this is the way line. Was that the intention? I'm not quite sure. Is she just trying to manipulate him or get under his skin? Not quite sure. But she does say it later in the episode, and it, she seems much more sincere when she says it to him again, and perhaps as a way of uh, thanking him for his efforts and, and aiding her with, with the, the capture of the ship and the weapons. Um, but I think it's also because, uh, like I said earlier, I do think at some point, I think Bo realizes that she's going to, if she's going to get the Darksaber and bring the Mandalorians back together, that means all the Mandalorians, and that means members of Death Watch, and that means this, the Zealots and, and, the, and the factions and, and all of it. She wants to reunite everyone, all the Mandalorians back together on Mandalore. And I think she maybe sees Din as, as a way to do that. Like if she can uh, get him to see her side of things, to get him to believe in her, then maybe he'll be a bridge to bringing the groups back together. We'll we'll see we'll see. Uh, again, that's we're speculating on something that's so far down the road. You know the 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 the, the I, I won't I want to say aggravating, but aggravating is just too strong of a word. It's not the right word I want to use because it's not aggravating. It just is what it is. The the seasons are short. They're eight episodes, so w w there's a lot to get to, and the mythology is so deep and so rich. There's a lot to go through. There's a lot to lot to, lot to parse through. 
And that's okay. That's a good thing. You know, we don't want to get it all at once. There's a, there's, I don't want to go into a whole tirade here about society and our, and the, the need for immediate gratification. Uh, I, I'm okay waiting as long as I don't die before the end of the show and I can get the, the, the amazing revelations and all, and all that stuff. I'm willing to parse it out in, in eight episode chunks uh, for the next, you know, four or five, six years or whatever they decided the run of the series is going to be, uh, which I, I don't imagine they're planning on ending anytime soon. Uh, I think we've talked about how John Favreau hopes to have cameras rolling on season three by the end of this year. So, hey, fingers crossed, you know, we'll get our next eight episode chunk of story of mythology by by this time next year. Fingers crossed. So as far as this episode goes, that's pretty much it. Uh, we're going to play the... When we close out the show, we're going to play the play the, the dialogue of Bo-Katan sharing the vital information of where to find a Jedi. And we know what Jedi she's referring to. We're, we're referring to our favorite uh, former Jedi, Ahsoka Tano. Which, hey, Rosario Dawson has Ahsoka Tano. I can't wait to see that on the screen. And, you know, they've done a really great job so far with The Mandalorian of not... Uh, you know, we're not getting information ahead of time. We're not seeing press releases of images of these characters ahead of time yet. You know, it even the even the CW or CW the uh, the Entertainment Weekly uh, bits like the, the 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 photos that were featured in Entertainment Weekly that were then released online. It's all stuff, all characters we'd seen before. We know we've seen Moff Gideon, we've seen Cara Doom, we've seen Grief Karga. Yes, they look different. Yes, there's a new look for them. Uh, but but the mysteries still remain, you know the big you know we all remember when we first watched when we watched the first episode that that first day that Disney Plus launched, and we all had our minds blown back when the pod opens and you you see Baby Yoda for the first time. This show it, it, it's keeping that up, and I that is insanely commendable. I love it. It it would be so easy. For, for Disney and Lucasfilm to add to the hype train by by releasing images of the characters ahead of time. And I'm glad they don't. I, I you know, there's 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 so much instant gratification in, in society nowadays that I love that they're teasing this out, that we have to wait for it, you know. And I, I get up early on Fridays to, to do that, to to watch this show for the first time so that I have that experience every time of not knowing what's coming. Because listen, uh, you know, now that I'm I'm doing this podcast and I'm a, a part of this uh, Star Wars social media community that, that exists, you know, because we're, we're doing stuff on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, but not everyone seems to be ad- ad- adhering to the idea that, uh, that hey man, don't post spoilers. You know, it's only 8 o'clock in the morning. Not everyone's watched the show yet. Uh, but we're, we, we're not doing spoilers on our Instagram. We're trying to follow that that 72-hour rule that, that Disney and Lucasfilm are, are hoping you know, most most Instagrams and, and Twitter accounts would, would will do, will follow. You know, don't post a picture of something that no one's seen yet, that no one hasn't gotten to it. Because, again, remember, streaming content, the wonderful thing about it is you watch it when you want to, when you can watch it, when you can sit back and enjoy it. Now, granted, I don't have to get up at 3 in the morning <laughs> to watch the episode. I just really, really want to. <laughs> if I were a tad smarter, maybe I'd stay up until midnight and just watch it then. But I still have to get up at 4 in the morning regardless. So... It's sort of a mixed bag. Do I just go to bed early and wake up early? Or do I stay up late and then still have to wake up early? It's a chicken and egg situation. I still think going to bed around 9 or 10 and getting up at 3 or 4 makes a lot more sense. Or getting up around 3-ish, I should say, makes a lot more sense. Because I, 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 want, I want to turn on the TV and I want to watch it not knowing what's going to happen, what I'm going to see for the first time. I didn't know this is the episode we're getting Bo-Katan. I didn't know this is the episode where we were going to see uh, what character Sasha Banks was playing. Uh, I, and I... Ooh, I'm so excited that that this is how I get to watch Star Wars now. You know, I don't I don't have these trailers to watch uh, that that kind of ruin everything. Like this this show has been so great because it's been so secretive, and it's it's kept it's played its cards close to its vest, and that's such a wonderful thing in this society of instant gratification. You know, we talked a little bit about it um, on on other on not I'm not on Mandavision, but on uh, I think on on podcast we've sort of talked about how. People got upset when they couldn't watch all the episodes of The Boys in one day. Yeah. Hey, it's got, you got to make it worth your while, right? It's, it's, it, it has to be damn good to bring you back week after week. And, and that's, what, that's what The Mandalorian is. It is good week after week. And I've been so impressed with this season so far. 
and I, I hope everyone else is, in, is enjoying it as much as I am because it's just been a real blast so far. It's it's so much fun. And uh, again, the episodes like this one where we're getting into the mythology, just wow, so wonderful. Now, let's kind of speculate a little bit about next week. Do we think we're getting Ahsoka Tano next week? I don't, I don't think so. The, the, the way this show seems to be going and, and the state of the Razorcrest alone leads me to believe uh, that we will have at least one more episode, possibly more, before we get to meet Ahsoka Tano on the, on the show. Uh, whether they are waylaid by the, state, by the, the poor state that the Razorcrest is in, I mean, it's it's held together by seaweed, basically. Um, when the Mandalorian goes back to the Razorcrest to see what the Mandal- to see what the Mon Calamari tech tech did to get the ship flying again, uh, it looks like the inside of a Long John Silver's. I mean, it, there's like fishing net everywhere and all this weird seaweed wire. Um, I was trying to think of the name. I'll have to, oh, I wish I should have asked Ken. Ken would have been able to tell me the the Sea Captain's Restaurant in the Simpsons. It it has that kind of decor about it. And, uh, you know, the one where he calls Homer a remorseless eating machine. Eating machine? No, remorseless eating... Oh, damn it. Ken's going to yell at me for messing that up. <laughs> Anyways, it looked like the inside of a, of a really cheap Long John Silver's inside of a mall somewhere. <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> so because of the state of the Razor Crest, I suspect he's going to have to stop off for repairs on another planet where he can get better parts and a, maybe a, not a Mon Calamari technician to work on his, on his, on his, on his ship. Or perhaps he will be waylaid by the Empire en route to the planet where he has to meet up, where he's hoping to meet up with Ahsoka Tano. Because, hey, Moff Gideon knows a guy, a Mandalorian who flies around in a ship like the Razor Crest, so maybe he's going to send us some ties looking for him. Who who knows? Maybe some TIE fighter action next week. That'd be pretty fun. Or, or, or something else will happen. I don't think we're doing Ahsoka yet, but maybe I'm wrong. What do you all think? Who knows? Well, listen, I, let, let's kind of close out the show. What do you think? I, I, I talked a lot longer about this episode than I thought I would uh, because, I mean, it's a short episode, but there was a lot to kind of unpack. So I hope I did a good job. I hope everyone was entertained and that we did some good stuff here. So once again, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, the, the numbers for this season of the show, for, for this podcast, now that we're into, this, into the new season and we're doing fresh content, uh, the numbers have been have been going up, and they've been very, very nice. And I, I'm, I'm really ex- excited to hear that. I hope new listeners are enjoying it. And, and if there's uh, things I can do to make the new listeners more welcome or, or anything, please hit me up. Find me on social media. That is the best way to, to, to reach out to this podcast. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. And as I've mentioned before, please make sure you like, subscribe, share the show with all the Mandalorians in your clan. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and a bunch more. But if there's a platform that you want us to be on and we're not there yet, let me know. And uh, if you're doing Apple Podcasts, hey, take a minute, if you can, and give us those sweet, sweet five-star reviews. They help small, independent podcasts like this uh, stand out and not get lost in the shuffle. So we really, really appreciate that. I want to mention one more time again, 3bzine.com. Uh, spell out three t-h-r-e-e-b zine z-i-n-e dot com if you want to go there check out the our store envy page where you can find merch for all the shows that's that are on the 3b zine network uh you know good stuff good stuff over there and hey that's what this show is all about giving you the good stuff right i think that's i think that's most important so again thank you all so much for listening uh i will see you all next week I was, I'm tempted to talk a little bit about the schedule because Thanksgiving's coming up and I don't know exactly what's going to happen that week as far as being able to record a podcast. Things are a little hectic. We're, we're, we're still shut down at this house. There's no guests coming over. But uh, when, when, um, when Mrs. Mandovision is home, <laughs> podcasts don't tend to get recorded very easily. So we'll have to see how that works out. I'll keep you all posted. I'll have more information on that for you all next week. And when we break down chapter four of this wonderful new season. So remember, we will be back soon. Keep watching the show. Share it with your friends, the Mandalorian and this podcast, by the way. And 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 remember, take care of each other. Be safe out there. Uh, we're doing good things with each other. There were, oh, you know, maybe the, maybe the finish line's in sight. Vaccine, maybe down the road. Who knows? Let's keep our fingers crossed. But remember, keep watching the Mandalorian. Keep Din Djarin in your hearts. Keep Baby Yoda in your hearts. 
Remember, this is the way. Are you sure you won't join us? There's something I need to do. The offer stands if you change your mind. Where can I find the Jedi? Take the Foundling to the city of Kaladin on the forest planet of Corvus. There you will find Ahsoka Tano. Tell her you were sent by Bo-Katan. And thank you. Your bravery will not be forgotten. This is the way. This is the way.